Please stand up with for the next couple songs, please.
Sufficient for us, Lord, every single time. And just thank you for this evening. 
that we can worship you and we can praise you. We can say how great is our God, our Savior, our King, our Father, our friend, Lord. Thank you for uh, your church being one tonight, tonight, Lord. And just thank you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, you guys can be seated. The kids can be dismissed for the pageant. Today's, today's scripture reading is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. The last Sunday that window was in the way, but this Sunday it's in a really good spot. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statement of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I won't mention any names, but she's not here today because she has a stomach, little stomach problem. My wife. Um, pardon me for that, because I get kind of excited about an old, old story, and we talked about it last week, and I'm going to pick it up again today. Um, but last Sunday, when... Josh got up to close in prayer, asked for prayer requests and sharing. He captured what I was, the point of the story last week. He said that there were several men who, well, actually he said it this way, you never know when your name may come up in a sermon. And there were a couple men, whose, three men whose name came up in a sermon that they lived about a hundred, well, what they did for my grandpa was 110 years ago. Uh, they took him to church. They shared Christ. And um, at 21 years old, he gave his life to Christ. And the banker, he insisted that <clears throat> uh, grandfather learn and understand and live by um, Matthew 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get to know who God is. Come to a living faith in Jesus Christ. Learn what his ways are. Learn what his kingdom is trying to produce here on this earth and later in heaven as well. But learn also his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so when I was sharing that story, that righteousness, that kingdom of God that got introduced, my grandfather got introduced to, he passed on to his children and they later passed it on to other folks. Um, Here in our community, my mother passed it on with some other women uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. They, they had the same goal. And in about 1938, 39, somewhere in there, they formed the Palace Cedar Sunday School. But that story, in case we... I'll come back to the story of the Sunday School and on to here, but that story is a redemption story. It's a story of redemption. It starts in Genesis and it goes through Revelation. And I would, I can't even see you all, but I assume that probably all of you have trusted your life to Christ. But you need to know that if you haven't, if you don't understand that, uh, if you know about Jesus, you know about God, but he is not your love of your life. He's not the one you've entrusted your life to. Then you need to really consider that. Because in Romans chapter 5, actually in about the first 10 verses of Romans chapter 5, he says we are at war with God. He says we are weak and unruly, ungodly. He says that we are sinners. And then he says we are enemies with God. And so the scripture Uh, As we talk about this story this morning, the story of redemption, why we're in church today, why was there a Palace Cedar Sunday School, why is there an Oak Grove Bible Church, Uh, it's because of the redemption story. It's because we have come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we want our friends and our relatives and our loved ones and our neighbors to come to know Him too. And sometimes... In a church, it gets overlooked that some folks may come to church, and they may come for a long time, and they still have never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Because church attendance doesn't save you. Being married to a Christian doesn't save you. Being the child of Christian parents doesn't save you. Giving doesn't save you. And again, as I said, church attendance doesn't save you. It is only when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, recognizing that he went to the cross for you. He died for your sins. He became sin for us, who the man who knew no sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I I want to really make that clear that that's what this story is about. It works its way out in a lot of ways. 
And there's le all kinds of lessons to learn along the way. And one of the lessons I, w I wanted to be remind myself and you about last Sunday was that we could be that person that invites the person to church, or we could be that person that shares the scripture with them, or we could be that evangelist type that just knocks on doors and, and tries to introduce people where, to Christ however we can. We can uh, have the opportunity sometimes to plant the seed and pray for people. And sometimes we can have the opportunity to actually introduce them to Christ. And what a thrill that is. What a thrill that is. So back to our present story, part two. In the 1970s, the Palisado area was growing very fast. And so was the Sunday school, the Palisado Sunday School meeting in the Grange Hall. And it was about that same time in those 70s that Patty and I were asked to become directors of Mountain Middle Bible, uh, Mountain Middle Camp, Bible Camp, and join the mission, which was then called American Sunday School Union. And their requirement was that we would take a year of Bible. I had been teaching. Uh, I had been, but, but no formal Bible. My, my background is secular college, um, high school, junior college, Chico State, Aggie. And uh, I'd been teaching uh, Sunday school class and trying to grow in the Lord the best I could. But when they wanted me to be in the mission, me, Patty and I, they wanted me to take a year of Bible, and I did. I went to Shasta Bible College. Well, at the same time, when I went to Shasta Bible College, it became, through some circumstances, uh, I was asked to start teaching on Sunday mornings uh, in 11 o'clock hour at the Power City Sunday School. It not only had Sunday School classes, but it had been for uh, some time having 11 o'clock services where we would have special speakers and uh, come in and whatnot. So when I was asked to come and preach, uh, teach, uh, it was like kind of like preacher in training, PIT. And I'm sure some of those sermons were the pits. <laughs> uh, but you, you just share Christ's word. And do the best you can. And I was learning and I was trying to absorb all that I could absorb from my Bible classes. And I took away two great things from Shasta Bible College. One was a deeper knowledge of the scriptures. I had some really good professors and I was taking notes because I was preaching on Sunday. I needed no, <laughs> I needed to have answers. So the one thing I took away from Shasta Bible College was uh, some wonderful biblical instruction. The other thing I took away from Bible College with a little help from some others was Ted and Jane Hutchinson. Uh, they were working, uh, Ted was teaching there and we became acquainted and I was introduced to him and I said, uh, <clears throat> how would you like to come out to a Sunday school 
the Palo Cedro Sunday School and be part of what's going on there. I think it's pretty exciting, and we sure like to have you. As I look back in Scripture, I'm reminded of Barnabas, who, when they heard about the fact that people were coming to Christ down in Ephesus, they sent Barnabas down there to see what was going on. And he was down there, and he was teaching, and he was encouraging. His name, basically, is the son of encouragement. He was an encourager. And he was down there encouraging people in the faith. But then what did he do? We all know what he did. You remember what he did? He went back and said, whoa, this is maybe a little over my head, or we need some help down here, and I know somebody that could come down here and help. And it was Paul. So it's Barnabas who goes back and gets Paul, and Paul comes down there, and they teach for three years or so. Uh, it's a wonderful story, and I love it. And I see myself in Barnabas' shoes. I see myself as um, right now really in trouble because I was supposed to press I was supposed to press, oh dear, I was supposed to press, don't go away, hi honey, <clears throat> you missed the opening, <laughs> oh dear, um, told her that she didn't feel well. I said, oh, no, that's easy. I can just press that thing, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand. You'll hear it. <laughs> Let me start at the beginning. No. <laughs> no, we won't do that. Um, but I saw myself and, and do still see myself as a Barnabas, um, an encourager. Um, if there's a spiritual gift of encouragement, I think I have it. Uh, I like to encourage people. I like to encourage people to love the Lord. I like to encourage people to follow the Lord. I like to encourage people to love each other. I like to, I like to be around people, and if they're struggling in something, I like to be there and encourage them so that they will do better. But I understood with my limited background um, and abilities that it sure would be nice to have a team, teammate uh, that was so versed in the scripture as Ted was. So Ted and Jane came out, and um, <clears throat> we had a glorious time. Teaching, um, praying, studying the scripture, uh, iron sharpers iron. He encouraged me to uh, know the scriptures better. Uh, he could organize... <laughs> I couldn't. Um, we, we made, a, I think, made a really good team. And one of the other things that was encouraging about Ted coming to Palisade Sunday School is he affirmed something that I was really wondering about. Because I, when I went to Shasta Bible College, one of the classes I took was ecclesiology, the study of the church the church universal, and the church local. I had a wonderful teacher, Nick Bruno. Some of you knew him. Some of you probably even sat under his teaching when he was at North Valley. And he taught this class on 
what the church was universally and what it was locally and how it was to function um, in, in a local way. Now, my background was Powell Cedar Sunday School and seeing uh, basically Baptist churches operating. And the way I saw them operate, whether I perceived it correctly or incorrectly, the way I saw them operate is they had a congregation who voted on things. They voted to have a pastor, and he became the CEO of the church. And then he got people under him, and, but he was the boss, the direction giver, and all else. Everything ran through him. Um, that, that's what I thought when I took the ecclesiology class, I would see in Scripture. But when I got to Scripture in the class and Mr. Bruno teaching us, I found out something that was very interesting, and Ted affirmed that. Because when I was going to Shasta Bible College, people would say, where do you go to church? And I would say, I go to Powell Seville Sunday School. And they said, well, you don't have a church? And I'd say, well... I have, yeah, I have a church. It's Palisado Sunday School. And that was rather confusing for them. And it was rather confusing for me because I thought maybe I just didn't know. So um, in studying and meeting with Ted and preach and learning from the class that Nick Bruno was teaching, um, I found out something very interesting. Let me tell you a little of the things that were going on at the Sunday school. We were gathering at least each Sunday, oftentimes more times than that. We were singing to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in our hearts to the Lord and worshiping Him in song. The Word of God was being taught by maybe a number of people in Sunday school classes and adult Sunday school classes, and then um, sometimes on in the past, not as regular on Sunday mornings, but was becoming more regular. We were taking communion. We were baptizing those that have come to Christ. We were hearing testimony in church of those who came to Christ. We had some midweek Bible studies. And we had a couple things that were unique to the Sunday school and I think very important. The way the Sunday school worked is you came, you sang, uh, you had announcements and what have you, and then you were dismissed to classes. And adults went, teenagers went, juniors, junior high, primary, whatever classes we had. And when those were over, a bell rang or somebody come around, I forget exactly how that all worked, but when that was over, we came back together, sang a song, and then it was time to hear back from classes. And so we encouraged, especially the young people and the teachers of the young people, to have them memorize scripture or have them, whatever they were learning, to figure out how to in some small way, uh, share that with a group. 
So if you were a, a child growing up in that Sunday school, you knew that you were going to get up in front whether you liked it or not, and you were going to share your memory verse or whatever. And that was every Sunday. There was a class doing that. Maybe not the same class every Sunday, but there was a class doing that. So on a regular basis, children uh, were in front of the congregation learning to speak, learning to memorize, to quote verses. The other thing that was unique in that Sunday school, maybe they do it in all Sunday schools, or I, I don't know, but what we were doing at the time was that if you had a birthday or an anniversary, you were to get up and put your pennies in for your birthday or your anniversary. Now, you might think that that is kind of a trivial thing. But there was a purpose behind that. Again, we wanted people to be able to come up and we wanted to see them. So at least once a year, once a year, everybody in the Sunday school was going to stand in front of us and put their pennies in. And if they were married, they could put them in for their anniversary as well. Now, what happened in those times? And I will tell you about a man that lived up the Chutes Road here, not too far, called Ken Brush, Ken Elizabeth. We called him Grandpa and Grandma Brush. He was a dairy farmer who was big, strong, and we tried to play basketball with him one time, and that didn't work because where he learned to play basketball was something like rugby. Yeah, that's how he played basketball. He was just a man of a man. But every time that he put his pennies in, he would talk about how old he was in Christ. And he could not do it without crying. And I, as a, as a young boy... And later on, uh, they moved away um, up to Canada. Patty and I went to visit them one time. But in those growing up years, uh, for me to see that man get up in front of us, uh, he wasn't a preacher. He, 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 I don't even think he taught a Sunday school class. He, he, that's not, that wasn't his deal. His deal was farming. Uh, his deal was taking care of livestock, cattle. But his deal was sharing who Jesus was and how he came to know Christ. So between back from classes and birthdays and anniversaries and people getting up and put their pennies in and being asked questions about who they are, you saw everybody. You, 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 you'd begin to know who they were. Now, that's just once a year for that. We instigated a lot of other things along with that back then. But I want to take you to that um, scripture that Luke just read. And um, <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 4. Not too long ago, maybe a month or so ago, I was talking to Josh. Josh. 
Hage. And he said, Jerry, what, what were those things when you're building a church, and what was those foundational kind of things that um, you built on? And I had to tell you that if you got to pick one passage in Scripture that, that changed how I thought or, or, or supported how I thought in some ways, but cemented what I understood about the church, it's this passage that we just read this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Mark this down. If you, if you can understand not only this passage, but the implications of this passage, you'll have a foundation in any ministry, any Christian ministry. For he gave, Jesus is the he here, for he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. God makes sure that when the gospel goes out and people come to Christ, he will gift people to help those people go on in Christ. That's what he does. And there you see the foundation for what we later build on here and had build on there was uh, biblical leadership, uh, biblical teaching, uh, qualifications and all those things. Maybe we we'll come back to those a little bit next Sunday. But what struck me as I went through here was that there was so much of the idea of the body of Christ doing the ministry here. Let me read, read through it with me. Verse 12. For the, why did he appoint pastors and teachers? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God in a mature man to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by the wind of doctrine and trickery. So what's happening with this Christian leadership, this biblical teaching, these people that are set apart by God to study the word and prayer they are to protect us. They are to teach us. They are to lead us. They are to be our examples so that we won't be led astray by every wind of doctrine. It's not everybody for himself as far as the Word of God is concerned. It's not every radio preacher telling us something or somebody else. It's those gifted men that God has given the local body to be in prayer and the Word of God to build us up in the faith. That, 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 that's paramount to the local body of believers. However, we're told, Peter tells us, that we are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. A royal priesthood. Now, that's a really interesting term for him to use because priests, you know what they were in the Old Testament. 
and they were into the temple and the sacrifices and all those things. They were priests. Now, there were priests in the Jewish tradition, and then there were priests in the pagan tradition. But so probably what you see being used more likely, more often in Scripture, is the term saints. We're all saints in Christ. But we're all ministers in Christ. That's, that's the thing that began to really sink down in my life and want people to understand. And Ted and I taught on this and taught on this. We taught on spiritual gifts. We taught on learning the opportunities to, for your ministry. We also taught that on a regular basis, we would make this statement. It, ministry is not, we have a ministry as pastor teachers for you, but you have a ministry, and we're not going to tell you what your ministry is. That's not our job. Our job is for you, as you obey the Lord and follow him, to look around you and see what God has gifted you for and what he wants you to do in the body of Christ. That's how the body operates. That's how it's supposed to operate. But speaking the truth, I am in 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together. And this just amazed me when I discovered this in Scripture, when I was taught it, when I understood it, and when I would teach it. The whole body being fit and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You are responsible for my growth. You are responsible for the person's growth next to you. As we grow in Christ and grow in our love for him, we will grow in our love for each other. And God will gift us and does gift us that we might have a ministry to that other person. So it is not the people that are standing in the pulpit that are the ministers of the church, although they have a ministry. It is the whole congregation has a ministry. The whole congregation, everybody, God is gifted to love and spread the gospel and to do whatever God has gifted them to do. As I was studying this, an illustration just popped in my head. The Titanic wasn't sunk by the top of the iceberg. The Titanic was, at the time, man's, one of man's greatest achievements. Indestructible, unsinkable. What a monument to the brain power and willpower, work ethic, everything else of man. And it went down in the ocean because it hit not 
the top of the iceberg, but what was under the water. In a congregation, in a church, a church can have all the preaching it wants. It can have a gifted preacher. It can expound the Word of God. But if we're not, as individuals, growing in our faith, if we're not in the Word, if we're not in prayer, if we're not fellowshipping with one another in a sense of accountability and, and um, helping one another, then the church body doesn't grow that way. That, that, that's not the design. God designed it so that it fits together by each individual part. Now I tell you, that's a convicting idea. That's a convicting idea. As you sit there and think about this, what's your part? And God's confirmed in your own life some of your spiritual gifts and, and some of the things you like to do and how, how you can, yes. That, more, Lord, more. We're going to be out of here and we're going to be down there, uh, Lord willing, uh, a little closer to the center of Palisadro. And God has, I believe, great things for this church to do. But it isn't going to be just because you have good teaching in a pulpit. It's going to be because each person begins to catch on fire that they have a purpose in Jesus and they have a ministry in Jesus. Let me close with this thought. I don't know if you know it, but right out there on that building, there's a plaque, and the plaque is recognizing the Boyle contribution to this church. <laughs> I can't ever remember in Scripture Paul writing back to one of his churches and saying, I thank God on every remembrance of the buildings I built. It's, it's nice. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I, I'm really not. It's nice. But <laughs> that's not it. This is not it. This is it. This is it. I, I want my name written on people. I, I hope you want your name written on people. On your sons, your daughters, your neighbor whoever it might be, your grandchildren. That's where you want your name. That person shared Jesus Christ with me. That person loved me. They visited me. I was in trouble, and they, and they came alongside me. And then I learned why they were doing that. I learned it was because they loved Jesus, and now I've come to know Jesus, so I want to share Jesus with you. That's what that story is about with my grandfather. That's what it's about. Passing it on, passing it on, passing it on. In 82, Patty and I left this building. No, it wasn't easy, but God was calling us on. It wasn't easy. He was calling us someplace else. 
we want you to minister here. Now, my kids didn't leave the building so much with us because they were in the youth groups and they were here an awful lot of that time and growing up in, in this church, and we appreciate all that was. But that was a difficult time of, of leaving something that all of us had a part in building. But about 15 years ago, Oak Grove Bible Church did the same thing. You left the building. Now, it, it wasn't pleasant, and there were some kind of gruesome circumstances about the whole thing, but God had a plan. And the blessing that Oak Grove has had is that when you left the building, you still became a body of believers loving on each other, teaching each other, supporting one another, and it didn't take a building. It really didn't. Now, when the wind came up and the fall came and then we all ran for a building, you all ran for a building uh, to, rent, to rent a building, yeah, I understand that. And I, and I understand that right now in escrow is a building. But whatever you do, never let that building or even a location be your worship. It's the Lord Jesus and his discipleship and it's loving one another and it's reaching out to the lost. Now, it's nice if you can bring them in out of the rain to a church service or to a Bible study, but what happens if we can't do that anymore? What happens if, God forbid, in the next few years, there's a rule against that? We're done, I guess. Can't, can't make it. No. The body of Christ is going to go on. And it's going to go on in homes. And it's going to go on in the outdoors. And it's going to go on any way it can go on because it's not about buildings. Now, did God work through us to build this facility back in those days and show us his hand in some miraculous ways? He did. I'll share a couple of them next Sunday. Was it a delight to see the hand of God doing things that we couldn't do, that we couldn't orchestrate, work with the county and work with the neighbors and, and bring in money that we had no idea where it was going to come from? No. We, I mean, those things were beyond us. But God came to the party. And he will always come to the party when we submit ourselves to him and we trust him for the future. Wow. I trust that you have your trust in Jesus Christ. And I trust that your trust is not in the things of this world. The body of Christ will do quite fine without buildings. It really will. Now, can we use that building down there for the glory of God? Yeah, I, I, boy, I believe we can. And I believe it can be a beacon. But let me say it one more time. It's not about buildings. 
It's about people. It's about people. And speaking of people in the back row, sneaking in, is some kind of an old friend. Talk about the good old days. How many of you remember the preacher and the bear? <laughs> oh, well, hope you remember a lot of other things. But I think Joe and Patty, uh, did they come in here? They were going to try and make it. Huh? Joe's here? Walk up here in front so we can see you. For those of you that are a little newer, this young man grew up here and there and Mountain Meadows and uh, blessed our heart, uh, leading us in music and a lot of other things. He was the right-hand man for me for a long time. I also loved him because he was a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> One morning, uh, we were in bed up at Mountain Meadows. Not and same bed. No. No, I, I over there and he over here. And I uh, woke up and I said, uh, we were about ready to get going and get everything. We had people and all. And I said, Joe, did you hear about the fellow that had cancer in his leg and had to have surgery? He said, no, I didn't hear about him. I said, well, it was awful. I'll tell you what, right now it was awful. And uh, he said, well, what happened? I said, well, they got mixed up and they amputated the wrong leg. He said, oh, that's terrible. What'd they do? He said, well, he couldn't sue because he didn't have a leg to stand on. Seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> Joe and his wife have a little ministry back in uh, Car South, where you? Carolina. South Carolina. And uh, three minutes, Joe. Tell us about it. Five minutes, tell us about it. We're here. We want to hear about it. Well, I haven't been in here for a long time. This is, this is great to be back in this building and, uh, and see you guys since. Uh, we were here in Reading for a long time. I was on staff at, at the Reading Neighborhood Church. And then we went 